Hey, this is Sarah Moffitt. I'm a leadership coach, and this is your bi-weekly reminder to go for it. I'm here to help you gain the confidence, consistency, and courage you need to go for it, whatever it is. This is a podcast produced by Cybrary, a company that is all about going for it. They've revolutionized the cybersecurity education experience, and I'm excited to hang out with you and Cybrary today. All right, y'all, it's Monday. It's time to stand up, get yourself together, and let's go for it. Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah Moffitt, and welcome to the Go For It podcast with Cybrary and me. I'm really, really excited to be here and um, and just get to chat with you. So I figured for this first episode, I would introduce myself and talk about what I'm about and why I think that professional development and personal development is really important. And uh, looking forward to seeing you guys for this you know, whole podcast and then for, for other ones. So again, my name is Sarah Moffitt. I am the director for cybersecurity training awareness and external stakeholder engagement for a pretty big company, about 400,000 people. Um, And I do that for my day job. And then I'm also the president and founder slash leadership coach for my company, which is called Leading Ladies. And uh, what what I do and what we do at Leading Ladies is we do uh, professional development, leadership coaching, high-performance leadership coaching, and career coaching for women in male-dominated industries. And the reason I picked women in male-dominated industries is because I work and have worked in male-dominated industries pretty much my whole career. So just to back up, so you know who I am and why I talk about what I talk about. I graduated high school when I was 15. I was just shy of my 16th birthday. And I did a couple things at once. I got a work permit, I got my learner's permit, and I got a job. So I was about 15 and eight months when I got my first job at Sears. I also took my first class in community college. And on my 16th birthday, my professor, uh, she rode shotgun and we went to the DMV and and one of our other students picked her up and and left. And I met my mom there and I got my driver's license and, uh, and I kept working. I was working at Sears for a while. And then I ended up working at Shoney's and I literally had this rhythm at 16 years old where I would get up at six or seven in the morning, go to college, take my morning classes. And I would change into my uniform to go wait tables. I would wait tables for lunch and dinner. And then when I got off work, I would sit in a booth at Shoney's and do my homework until one or two in the morning, go home and sleep and do it all over again. And I did that for several years, um, ended up dropping out of college a little bit early and just trying to figure out where I was. I went through actually a pretty, pretty intense depressive time. And, um, I ended up managing a hair salon and I was a preschool teacher. And one day I hired someone, I don't know where I got the idea to do it, but I hired somebody to help me find a real job. And so I got a real job working for the largest patent and trademark uh, law firm in the world. And I worked there for couple months, really enjoyed it. And I ended up going from there to work for an engineering firm. And then from the engineering firm, I worked for another um, water treatment firm. And I ended up being in only in, in places where I was the only woman. 
almost almost exclusively. I was the usually the secretary, the office manager, and um, I was typically the only woman there. And yes, in case you're wondering, I suffered a lot of sexual harassment in those cases. And I was young, like 19, 20 years old, didn't know how to handle it. And of course, the older I got, the, the better I got at handling those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, and one day I got called, uh, called by a recruiting firm to come do a temporary job at a company called Mitre Tech, which is now Noblis. And I worked in their HR department and I had the chance to, um, help recruit these really high level PhD engineers and, and scientists. And I had just a really amazing viewpoint of how HR worked, how recruiting worked, what resumes people were looking for. And I remember one of the things I had to do was redo their filing system. And so I literally got to look at every single resume for people that were employed by the company. So in other words, I saw only the resumes that succeeded in getting people jobs. Um, And I would go home at night and I'm trying to think of how old I was, maybe 25 at this point. I would go home at night and update my resume format based on what I had seen that day, or I would add a phrase that really stuck out to me to my to my resume. And I ended up um, submitting for this job at a company called SPA in Alexandria, Virginia. They hired me, and uh, I ended up becoming the executive assistant to the VP, which I loved. I loved that job. He was the best boss. I, in fact, I haven't worked for him since two thousand and four. And I still talk to him and his wife on a regular basis. Um, And so he just, he let me see all aspects of his, what he did. So he's the VP of operations. So I was with him when we were talking about facilities, security, information, security, um, facility operations, like how we moved offices, what went into that human resources, every element of running the business I got to be a part of. And that was really like the best job. And at some point during that job, my sister, my little sister, who was a recruiter, sent me a message and she said, Sarah, I'm having a really hard time writing a job description for this job over at FAA. They're looking for somebody who can talk and teach and also be a liaison between the help desk and the senior executive, um, well, the secretary, and, um, and, you know, somebody who can help kind of translate IT problems. So since I was doing a lot of tech writing, I was doing a lot of tech editing too for, for big documents, like big top secret documents that were going to people like Donald Rumsfeld. And I was doing all of that stuff too for SPA. Uh, this was many, 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 many years ago. Um, and so I wrote this job description for her and I sent it to her and uh, she called me back and she said, she said, Sarah, this is really good. Just wondering, do you want this job? And I was like, no, I love working for George. He was my boss. He's the best. And she said, um, Sarah, it pays 20 grand more a year. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. I'll take the job. <laughs> so I went and interviewed for the job. And I remember uh, the two hiring managers, Ed and Jeff, asking me like, so how do you know Liz? She referred you to the job. And I'm like, oh, she didn't tell anybody. So I didn't get any favoritism. So anyway, I took that job. And that was my first foray into IT. I had never worked in IT before. And literally the first couple of months that I was there, I just sat and went through the help desk tickets to see 
what kind of tickets people were putting in, where were they facing the most problems? And if you kind of look through my career, I'm doing a lot of problem solving and I'm doing a lot of people watching and how do people communicate this? And how does, how does facility security work? And how do these databases work? And how does this work? And so I'm making a full picture of like male dominated industries, how to deal with men in the workplace, how to stand up for yourself, how to, and now I'm at the point now where I'm in IT and I'm looking at what are the problems that people are facing with their technology? And then I started to develop training classes to specifically address those problems, which meant that I had to learn the technologies. So here I am spending my whole day getting paid to learn how to use this technology and this technology. And this was back in the day when um, secure ID tokens, key fobs were brand new. And so learning about VPNs and and how those secure fobs worked and teaching courses to pilots on how to use PowerPoint and all, you know, all kinds of different things. And that really launched me into my IT career. So I've been doing, working in IT since 2006, I think, 2006. And I just have sort of gone along and in every role I've had, whether I was managing a largest database, largest personnel security database uh, in the government, to um, uh, to teaching software developers how to use software development software. I have been able to kind of track where IT is going, what are the problems people are facing, and, and, um, and that's how I built my career. And that's how I've gotten to work in the places that I've worked with literally the most senior cybersecurity and IT people in technology. I've had the chance to sit at tables with them and and talk about problems and talk about how do we bring people back into cybersecurity. And that gave me a platform to speak about workforce development and cybersecurity and, and information technology. Who should we be recruiting? Why should we be recruiting them? How do we deal with the talent gap, the skills gap? And so I've been working this through my career. So anyway... That's kind of what I do. And at this point now, I am doing cybersecurity awareness, communications, and kind of external stakeholder engagement uh, for my technical job. But I've taken all of this people stuff to heart. And so while I was working at FAA all those years ago, I really decided and understood something about myself, which was I love teaching. I love helping people. I love seeing people succeed based on them developing themselves. That's that's really what teaching and coaching and training is about. It's about looking at others and helping them have an aha moment. And so that's really what I want to do through this podcast is help you have an aha moment. And it might be about how you do your morning routine, or it might be on how you're doing your job search. It could be how to talk to your boss about a tough thing, like how do I get a raise or Um, you know, I'm having trouble with somebody at work and it could just be about how you manage yourself because you're teleworking now or, or how, how do you balance having kids at home? Because I've been looking at how people work and looking at what's important to people and how people learn. And so anyway, when I was uh, working at FAA, I got my undergraduate degree in psychology And right when I was done, I started my master's degree in clinical mental health. And I was a little bit more than halfway finished with that degree when I became pregnant. And uh, I was a single mom. And so doing the practicums and the internships wasn't going to work out for me. 
So I had to uh, step back from that. And, but so I was still working at that point. I was working for health and human services. Um, and I was doing workforce development, talent development, performance management for them, for their cyber and IT workforce. And um, they sent me to a conference and it was a Society for Human Resource Management Conference, SHRM, their annual conference. And that particular year, it was down in New Orleans, uh, which was awesome. And so I was in this conference center in this enormous conference center, but I went to this one particular breakout session with a guy whose name is Joe Urbanski. If you want to look him up, he's fantastic. So there's like 400 people in the room and Joe's up on the stage. And I don't know if you've been around learning and development people or instructional systems designers, but they're not, you know, they're excitable, but this was like an incredible atmosphere that he created. And so he's up on this stage and everybody in the room is up on their feet because he's got us doing some team building exercise or something. And we're laughing and talking and having this great experience while we're learning at the same time. And I'm watching him and I'm like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I want to be, you know, yes, I love doing workforce development for cybersecurity. I mean, it's great. I love helping people. I love helping people perform higher and, and know what they want to do and be able to roadmap it out. But this guy's doing this on like a, a powerful scale and he's exciting people. And so I don't know what gave me the balls to do this, but uh, during one of the breakout sessions that he had everybody doing, I just walked straight up to the stage and just looked at him and say my name. Hi, I'm Sarah Moffat. Nothing like that. I just said, I want your job. And he just he looked down at me and he said, go for it. And I was like, I think I will. And that became my motto. Go for it. I'm just going to go for it. So I came back and I had all these ideas and I started mapping them out and I started reading Simon Sinek and I started reading Tony Robbins and I started reading John Maxwell and all of these people that I felt like I wanted them, I wanted to role model or that I wanted them to role model me, I guess I should say. How do I get motivated? How do I discover what my why is? How do I help other people discover what their why is? What is real leadership? What does it take to be a real leader? I'm looking over at my bookshelf right now and I'm looking at, oh yeah, there's um, you know, the 5 a.m. club and motivation manifesto and Susie Orman. I mean, I'm just like piling up all of this information that I can use to inspire other people. And so, um, so that was in June of 2017, no, 2018, no, 2017. Sorry about that. And so, um, in December I went to, or in October of that year, I went to another conference and at that conference, uh, this guy named Logan got up on the stage and he works for Ted. And he said, Ted is rolling out a brand new program called Ted Masterclass, and we are accepting a limited number of alpha testers. If you'd like to be an alpha tester for this new product that we're doing, that's going to teach people how to do TED Talks and help organizations build TED Talk libraries for their own internal staff, apply. So I submitted two applications. I submitted one for me, just Sarah Moffat, and then I submitted one for the organization I was working for at that point. And um, they accepted my application for the organization I was working for. They weren't letting individuals do it at that point. It was just for companies. And so 
I went back to my organization. I was like, Hey, we got accepted into this alpha program. I have this idea. I want to partner these people together and these people together. Cause we needed three teams of two people each and nobody was into it. And I was devastated. I had already been to all of these like onboarding meetings with Ted and the staff there. And I was like, so freaking excited. I mean, I was going for it and we missed our deadline because nobody responded at the organization I was at. And so I had to go back and, you know, in my mind, I knew that they were only looking for organizations, but I just went back and I said, Hey guys, I know you only want organizations, but You've seen how much I've wanted to do this. I mean, I've, I've wanted to do a TED talk for so long. Like, I know what I want to talk about. I, I know how I want to frame it. I just need the training. And please, 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 will you just let me do this? Just as Sarah Moffat, just please. And I've got somebody who will come and partner with me. And they let me do it. Went through their whole program. There was, I think, 10 or 12 modules. And I wrote my TED Talk and I submitted it to them. And I did a video, just me staring at my computer screen, doing my TED Talk. And the people that were in this program with me were like General Electric, Pepsi, Toys R Us, some of the biggest leadership executive coaching organizations in the country, and me, Shmarish Moffat. So out of all these people that submitted, they picked three companies to come to do a live taping. And like everybody was, all of the participants were invited to go to TED headquarters in New York City. And three people were invited to give their TED talk. Two people were invited to give part of their TED talk. And one person was invited to do their whole TED talk. And it was me. They invited me to do my whole TED talk. You can see this, my, my little name tag from when I was there. I keep that up there as a reminder. Oh, now it's crooked. Um, I keep that up as a reminder that going for it means being tenacious enough to accept the dream that's in your heart. We all have that dream, that, that little quiet voice that's like, you should write a book or um, go, go back to college. You can totally do it. Or you know what? Maybe you don't know all about the certification yet, but you will learn it. And that little voice that just kept saying, go for it, go for it, go for it. And when we missed the deadline, I could have just said, oh, I don't qualify, but I decided to be tenacious and go for it. And so I went to New York City. My partner came with me, Ali Porgasami. He's like the best guy. He was so encouraging and wonderful. Um, and so. I went up to Ted and I stood on the Ted stage and the cameras and the audience and the whole thing. And then they had um, another Ted speaker who's had millions and millions and millions of views on his Ted coach me. And so I gave my talk and I became a Ted speaker. Okay. Don't go looking for it because it's only in the Ted masterclass app. And at some point I'm going to re-record it so that it's out there for people to see, but my, um, my Ted talk was called modern mentoring, how to develop a round table as legendary as King Arthur's. And it was all about how we need to surround ourselves with the people that are going to go on the journey with us. The people that are going to go find the Holy grail. You can't do it alone. 
And so, you know, that's why this podcast is here. That's why you got to go out there and look for role models like I did with John Maxwell and Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard and Susie Orman and, uh, you know, all of these people that regularly influence me, they don't know they're my role models, but they are. I look, I look for them and I say, what do they do? How do they have their morning routine? How can I go for it like they do? Um, so I did the TED talk. And then a couple months later, um, I was speaking at a HIPAA conference, which sounds really boring, but it was fun. And this lady messaged me after the HIPAA conference and she said, do you do coaching? I hadn't told anybody. Nobody, that's was my next step. And so I just, again, this opportunity and I hear this little voice in my head that says, go for it. And I said, yeah, I do coaching. So I got my first coaching client in October of 2018. So it's literally been one year. In one year, I heard this message of go for it. I managed to do a TED talk. I um, went out and started doing all of these speaking engagements. I can't even count how many I did that particular year. I mean, if somebody said, hey, Sarah, will you come and speak? I said, sure. No, nobody's paying me anything at that point. I was going out there speaking because I wanted the experience. I wanted the exposure. I wanted to see what people's faces look like when I said this particular phrase so that I could go back and tweak it later. I mean, it was all about just going for it, going for it, going for it, knowing there were going to be times when I was going to fail, knowing there were going to be Um, really difficult times. And by the way, I'm doing all of this while being a single mother. So this meant explaining to my son, you know, Hey, I'm going to be really busy for this time, but this time I'm going to be totally dedicated and, you know, really having to balance out all of that stuff. Um, And so I started coaching. And then in January of 2019, I hired my own coach. Uh, Her name is Diane Hayworth. And she was awesome. Awesome, awesome. And I just started to look out and say, what are the opportunities that I had previously said no to that I need to say yes to now to grow? And so that's when I started my company, Leading Ladies. And that was purely because I was looking around and seeing so many women doing phenomenal things and wanting an opportunity to not only highlight what they were doing, but create the other opportunities for other women to step into leadership roles. And I know when I was looking for an executive coach or a leadership coach, I felt like it was cost prohibitive. I felt like I wasn't far enough along in my career to get it, which, you know, both of those things are surmountable. If you look, Um, And, you know, for me, initially, it wasn't something I could do. For me, initially, it was about me picking people to coach me who never heard me. I just read their books and watched their videos online. And then eventually, it was time for me to get a coach. And, And all along, all along the way, the messages go for it. The messages, um, this lady told me the other day, she said, don't discount yourself from any opportunity. Don't deselect yourself for any opportunity. So that's what I want this podcast to be about. I want it to be about you selecting yourself for an opportunity. And so if you have a topic that you want us to cover on this podcast, you can email us at podcast at cybrary, C-Y-B-R-A-R-Y. I'm looking at my little (laughs) dot IT. Um, You can email us and just say, hey, you know, Sarah, I want you to talk about how to have a tough conversation with my boss or, 
you know, I'm scared about going back to school because I haven't been in 20 years, or how do I know if I'm ready for a certification or how do I know if I'm ready for a new job? And we can talk about those things. Um, because I want you to feel the empowerment that comes from trusting the dream that you have inside you. You have that dream inside you for a reason. You have those, those goals in the back of your mind for a reason. And you're the person that's meant to do it. And that's why I started my company because I want to help women at all stages of their careers, whether you are getting your first management job or stepping into a quasi leadership role for the first time. And it could even be leadership at, you know, your PTA or whatever to, Hey, you've started your own business or you are, you know, two seconds from entering the C-suite. And what are the things that you need to do to be a higher performing leader? How do you engage your teams? All of those things, because I've lived through them in the workplace. I have been, you know, from working at the small construction firm to talking with the federal CIO and everywhere in between. And for a while, even I did like a, uh, this Kennedy Center thing where I got to liaise with people like Quincy Jones and Barbara Walters and um, who else was there? Uh, the Clintons, both of the Clintons. Like, so I've, I've met and worked with literally the elite of the elite. And, and I love working with people of all different levels, but no matter what your level is, my thing for you is to go for it. That's what Joe Orbanski said to me. That's what I'm going to say to you. Every episode of this podcast is what can you do to get yourself one step closer to that goal or that um, mini goal or that idea? How do you draw it out? How do you act on it? And so thank you for being a part of this new podcast. Thank you for listening to my story and and, you know, I would love to answer your questions. So if you want to email podcast at cyberi.it, or you can put questions in the comments, we'll look at those, share this with your friends. If you know of somebody who could use a little inspiration or a little coaching, that's what we're here for. That's what this podcast is here for you. So thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Bye. Cyberi, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.